This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, Show 118. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com. Your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets Podcast, here with Mr. Brandon Turner. What up, Brandon? What up? Hey, what, what's different about me today? Besides the uh, fact that I'm holding my dog in my hands. Um, you're uglier than you were yesterday. Bad haircut. That's probably true. No, I didn't do my hair today. See, it's like down. Oh, it's oh, a, oh it, look at that. Oh, see? you just look fixed it. Looks beautiful. There, now it's good, right? Okay. Looks beautiful. Yeah, all the people listening in their cars can't see that, but trust me, I'm a handsome devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in his own mind. <laughs> there so. You go. Yeah, man. Well, you my know mom, what's different my, about you today? You one property richer. Is that is that, I, what's uh, about that, you? that is true. I got I closed on my house today, which actually uh, brings me to today's quick, quick tip. tip. So lesson learned on number forty three for me. All right. <laughs> so this was this is what I learned today. Uh, if you say Okay. In the past, I've always offered cash. Generally, if I'm going to use like hard money or a private loan, I'll say like cash in the offer anyway. And then we usually just write something like he, he'll be using private lender. So we did that on this one. We said cash. And then we wrote another part that he'll be using a private lender to fund this. Anyway, uh, Fannie Mae was the seller of this property and they freaked out on that like a week before closing or a few days before closing and said, after I'd given a $7,000 earnest money and it said, no, you said cash here. We will not allow you to use a uh, lender. We will not allow you to prepare the escrow to prepare a note and deed of trust. We will not allow that. And, uh, that was fun. And so we, uh, they said, you're going to lose your earnest money if you can't close this in all cash. Well, luckily I refinanced my apartment complex last week. So I got the cash for that. And haven't paid off all those loans yet, so I had no problem. But still, like, had I not had that cash, I would have lost seven thousand dollars because I said the word cash, and Fannie Mae did not like that that I had a private lender. Anyway, I guess maybe that's the thing that most people know, but I did not know that people could freak out over that. And uh, yeah, be Dude, careful. You're going up against the government, man. I know the government. They're uh, they're mean. They're pushy. So yeah, they are pushy. I, I, somebody else said that the other day that they they were told at a at, they went to like a guru conference or whatever and they or you know some event and they told them go just make a bunch of offers and offer cash on all of them uh, and then just when you get an offer accepted just go out and find financing then for it not a big deal but clearly that is a big deal and it could be a big deal especially if you give a lot of earnest money like I did so yep anyway there's a quick tip well a quick tip is write the offer stating what you're, what you're actually, actually going to be using to pay there you go yeah even though it's cash it's just not my cash that's not cash to them and they didn't like that so whatever i get it you live it. you learn yep. don't do it again man yeah so next time it's going to be miss fanny's going to smack you again <laughs> yeah i guess i don't like miss fanny all yeah, right <laughs> all right all right so you guys today we got an interesting show we'll, we'll get into that in a minute um, before we do if you guys are fans of bigger pockets of the bigger pockets podcast i definitely want to just take another second to uh, ask you guys to please jump on iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those things really help us. And also, if you know people who are interested in real estate, share the podcast. Show them how to listen to the podcast. I just showed my nephew how to listen to the podcast and he was blown away. He's like, oh my God, this thing is awesome. Uh, he was taking notes. I was watching it. It was uh, <laughs> it was really fun. So, you know, sh- share it with people. Let them know how to how to listen to the show. If a lot of people don't know how to listen to podcasts and don't really get them, but it's an amazing medium and hopefully you can uh, help spread the word about it. 
All right, guys. Well, today's guest is Himanshu. Himanshu is an IT consultant who decided to diversify into real estate a few short years ago. Uh, Himanshu's story is unique because he bought a condo and a 20-unit apartment complex at almost the same time. And we're going to dive into those and compare and contrast his two experiences. Uh, we dive into really some important stuff on condo investing, which you need to hear if you plan to invest in condos or any property with an HOA. And of course, if you know me, you know I'm about to rant and rave about that stuff. Another highlight in the show is Manchu's discussion on how he uses not just one, but three property managers, three property managers to look after his properties. After hearing your, his reasoning, you might do the same thing. It's, it's really an interesting theory. So uh, stay tuned. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Calling all property owners and operators. Are you managing a multifamily property and looking to elevate your residents' living experience? Introducing Quantum Fiber Internet, your go-to choice for speedy internet your residents will love. The process is as seamless as Quantum Fiber service. Starting at just $50 a month, your residents can enjoy fast, reliable internet that will make them love where they live even more. Connect with your local fiber representative today. Learn more at q.com slash go big. I wonder how they got that domain. That's q.com slash go big. Limited availability, service and rate in select locations only. Taxes and fees apply. 360 Wi-Fi and other equipment lease charges, taxes and fees are excluded from price for life offer and may be increased. And with that, enough talking about the show. Let's get into it. Himanchu, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, it's good to be here. And I think you guys are doing a great job for a lot of real investors like me. Yeah. So thanks. Oh, thank well, you. Thank you. 
Thank you. I love to hear that. Never get tired of that. Um, well, cool. Let's, let's start at the beginning. The other thing I never get tired of hearing, how did you get started investing in real estate? All right. So uh, I've been uh, an entrepreneur for quite some time. I, I came here to U.S. as an IT, uh, as a job. I, mean, I had an employment at that time. So I think it was 2001 when I lost my job after uh, uh, the 9-11 thing. And then I realized being in America, you got to be on your own. You just don't want to be at mercy with somebody else, you know, running it. So I started on my own. I started doing my independent consulting. I have an consulting firm that I've been running. Uh, and having done that for the last 10 years or so now, uh, I realized uh, I want to do something more specially for, uh, from my retirement perspective. I think that's when I started looking into something, what my options are. And I looked at a lot of different options, but I was looking for something passive, something that would not involve me too much so that I can continue with my IT and then do this as well. And that's where I came along for real estate. And I almost for two years, I did a lot of study, never got the guts to go into it. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it was almost around, I would say, 2011, 2012, when I bought my first uh, property. So what what got you over the hump? I mean, you'd been thinking about it. What finally, you know, made made you pull the trigger? Yeah, I I think it was just... uh, I mean, I looked at a lot of properties and I was, I was sure that I wanted to get into multifamily. I, mean, I think the economies of scale would make sense. And I think that one made sense to me. And uh, it so happened, actually, uh, I was looking at the couple of multifamily properties, but uh, the, the whole transaction takes pretty long. And it so happened that during this process, uh, I started traveling to Chicago and uh, the need for me where Chicago was, I was going there on weekends with my family. And I think we started, my wife and I started thinking, we're going to be traveling here for so long. Why not we look for something in Chicago itself? And because the way the market was, we started looking in Naperville area and we found a four-course property. And uh, that's what I bought it. And I bought it to make it as a vacation rental. Uh, okay. So that's something which I can use and uh, on the weekends. And then maybe during weekdays, I could rent it out. So, so that was the idea. That's something that, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about lately and we've got a, we had a show a couple of weeks ago. I think it was, uh, we're recording this ahead of time, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, on vacation rentals. Cause I love that idea of being able to, if you want to travel somewhere anywhere often, why not have a, a property there? Um, yeah. so I'm assuming, I guess maybe you can tell us how did that, I mean, that was, it, let me ask first condo mm-hmm. or a single family house. So it's a condo. So okay. It was a condo. The reason I took a condo was because I knew I'm, I'm, I don't live there. It's more of a remote for me. Yeah. So I wanted something which could be taken care of by somebody mostly. And then, you know, I have to deal with just small things, you know, maybe mostly internal. The outside is pretty much taken care of. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's one of the benefits of the condos. I mean, how did that work yeah. out for you? So that worked out pretty good, actually. Uh, uh, it was a nice location, and we furnished it. And uh, so, and being in the location, being in uh, Chicago, it was pretty easy to furnish it. So we kind of furnished it, and then uh, uh, it worked out okay. I mean, I have horror stories on the other condos that I bought later, but uh, this one was okay. This one turned out to be okay, and that kind of motivated me to get into other condos as well. Okay, all yeah. right, all right. Well, we'll get we'll get to those. I think. Um, yeah. So you. Uh, you bought it as a vacation rental. Can you, can you kind of explain like, how do you currently use it? I mean, do you still have it? I'm assuming as a vacation rental. Yes, I do. So what we did, we kind of furnished it and we listed it on VRBO. So it's, it's done through VRBO.com, homeaway.com. Now I have it like, you know, three, four other sites, flip keys, one of them. 
okay. then there are a lot of other uh, uh, you know uh, sites that I'm using to rent it out. Uh, and then along this way, I came across some other folks like who are always looking for uh, business housing or for you know people who are traveling corporate housing. And, and I travel quite a lot for my IT work. So, I mean, I always stay, you know, Monday to Thursday, I'm basically out when I'm on projects. So I'm, and I, you know, I'm used to this concept, uh, you know, of uh, corporate housing because I've seen and I've used that in the past. Sure. I used to do a project in China and they are just traveling to China. So I was staying in a corporate housing and that's where the idea came in. You know, we should set up something like this in somewhere in us and uh, and when we got a chance we did it in chicago area yeah okay and you said you bought a foreclosure that first one um uh-huh. why why did you go with the foreclosure i mean and maybe this may be a uh-huh. really basic question but for those people who don't know what are we talking about when you're talking about a, you bought a foreclosure so folk i think uh, i would say i'm a value guy who's always looking for a value so i wouldn't say cheap <laughs> okay yeah nice <laughs> <laughs> So I'm always looking for value and I think foreclosures uh, made a lot of sense. Uh, so these properties that I'm talking about, these were, you know, during peak time, they were around 145, 150. And I could get this for, I, I think I bought it for 110 or something. So, okay. you know, and, and there was not a whole lot that I had to do on the first one. I mean, there was some basic things that I had to upgrade the flooring and all that. But uh, it, it, I think it was... Uh, the things that we liked about it was it was new. I think it was built in 2001, 2002. So it was pretty new. The layout was nice. It was open floor plan and everything. So it was pretty uh, decent for the price, I think. Were, were these REOs or you didn't buy them at auction, did you? No, not this one. This was just a foreclosure. I bought it through an agent, but then I bought some other in auction later. Okay. Oh, so yeah. it, was, it was an REO then? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Cool. So you talk about condos. Have you experienced any issues, difficulties with, with condos over time? You know, a lot of people, myself included, are not big fans of mm-hmm. HOAs and, you know, assessments and things like that. Have you experienced any issues or has it been pretty smooth going for you? I have run into issues. So the second condo that I was talking about, this is something which I bought through auction. And I didn't even see this when I had my uh, realtor go in. He did a FaceTime at that time and he just kind of walked me through the the condo. The unit was in a good location, nice location. Uh, I just bought it. When I bought it, I went through the, uh, there is an home association owner's, uh, what do you call it, questionnaire yeah. that you have to get it answered through the uh, HOA. And so we, uh, the idea was, uh, you know, uh, to rent it out. And they mentioned that they had some cap on rental, but the rentals were allowed. So I bought it. And when I bought it, then I was told at that time that later on, when everything was closed, that they had a cap of three rentals only. And it was a very small subdivision. And I think it was next to another subdivision. They both looked like the same. And I thought this was like on 200 units, but in fact, it was just 15, 20 units in one. So that three unit cap kind of became an issue because then I couldn't rent it out. And uh, the association had a lot of other restrictions yeah. that you have to stay there. You cannot have your family or somebody like close families fine in the sense your immediate family is okay, but I cannot give it to my brother or somebody. So you have to be wow. using it. And those restrictions kind of, uh, kind of put me uh, in a situation where either I had to sell it off or do something with it. But we like the location so much and the unit so much that we decided to uh, 
And it so happened that the first rent, the unit which was a vacation rental, my idea was that I'm going to make the second one as a vacation rental and I'll rent the first one out completely on a long-term basis, which I did. And I moved all my stuff to this location. And this being on the lake, kind of uh, like a pond or a lake, it was a nicer location. So I thought this would go well for vacation rental. And now I was in a situation, my other place was already rented out and I could not rent this out. So I went on to a third one. So I bought a third one, moved this stuff there, and I'm using this as a personal now. Nice. <laughs> really? So you, so I mean, like that, that's something that I've never really heard of happening before where you go and buy a place in a condo or a place with a homeowners association. And then after you buy it, you find out that, hey, sorry, you can't have this as a rental. You have to live mm-hmm. here or have it empty. And well, some, some of the HOAs will have a percentage. Like, uh-huh. you know, you could only have a certain percentage of rentals. And the problem is they're, they, they don't always tell you the numbers up front. Yeah, I think that's the problem because they yeah. were not upfront about it. And that's what pissed me off. I mean, so you got to be upfront. If you have told me, then I'm, I wouldn't have gone for it. But, sure. you know, yeah. Man, so, so, I mean, is there a way that you know of, like, can you really, like, nail that down from a homeowners association president maybe and say, look, am I going to be able to do this? Or is it just you're kind of throwing the dice? No, I mean, I tried. I tried to reach out to the association president and I said, this is what the situation is. And I think just being a small community that it is, like 15, 20 units, and most of them, I think there are the owners and they're retired, some of them. So yeah. I think that the, the way the association is run, I think it's pretty closely close-knit. I mean, that I think that's, had it been a bigger community, probably it would have been different. But just being so small, that became yeah. my issue here. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's sucks so but I guess yeah. you're making the best of it. I mean, you kind of figure out a way around it. You rented the other ones out. Uh, you got mm-hmm. the other vacation rental condo. You got the original one that you turned into a regular investment, and now you just have a second property for yourself. Yeah. So is that in Chicago? Is that also in Chicago? So yeah, the, all this is in Aurora Naperville area. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. but you don't live in Chicago, right? I don't. I travel there almost every other week, and my daughters they learn dance, so we travel there for that okay, every nice. other week. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we're, I guess maybe we can kind of go back to your story. Your first deal was that one condo. Uh, what right. was your, like, what was your second deal then? So the second deal, as I said, you know, I was already looking for multifamily apartments. Uh, so I narrowed, I, I bought a second one was a 20 unit building that I bought. I mean, these are not, not a building. I would say this is on one street. They have these 10 duplexes. Oh, okay. So that's what I bought as my second deal. And oh, wow. uh, yeah. That's a big so, jump for a second yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. From I, think I wanted to start with that. It's just that the yeah. first thing happened before. <laughs> He's a bold man. <laughs> no, I think I, I was just too, uh, as I said, you know, I almost put in two years in going through all these and I was sold on the concept of multifamily. I was sold on the concept of the economies of scale that comes with the multifamily. Uh, and I, I just wanted to start there. I just didn't want it to start at two and four because knowing that the ultimatum is to get into multifamily. So I just wanted to start at that. Sure. So when you, when you bought yeah. the 10 duplexes, mm-hmm. you bought them as some kind of package, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you didn't finance that through like, you know, conventional financing, I'm assuming. No, this was like a commercial. Yeah. Okay. No. Got it. Yeah. Got it. What what do the numbers look like on that property if you remember? So uh, I think uh, you're looking at the price of purchase and all that is those right? Uh, yeah. so yeah. So at that point it was listed for around 900 uh, and then uh, the cap rate was somewhere around eight to nine uh, on that, so I paid around eight forty eight forty for that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. and and how did you end up financing? You said commercial, but did you have to put a large down payment down, or how did that work? 
Yeah, so I had to put in, uh, I think what helped me most was that I already was running a business for the last 10 years, yeah. the IT business. So that kind of helped me uh, because that that way I could show it to them in terms of, you know, from a management perspective, I can manage it and I can run it. Uh, though I didn't have any background on the real estate side. So uh, I did put in around 20% down at that point. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes, gotcha, that gotcha. makes sense. Um, yeah. And okay. So you bought the, the 10 duplexes. I have a question about that. Can you subdivide that eventually up and sell all the duplexes off separately or are they a package no matter what? No. So yes. So I can. I think that was one of the reasons why I went for it because yeah. that was my exit strategy in case if something goes wrong then I have an option of I can sell them individually too. Yeah. So I think that was the reason why I liked it because these being 10 duplexes, then rather than being one building with 20 units, because then selling process at times could be, you know. Yeah. So that makes sense. So yeah, I, I read a book. I, don't, I wish I remembered what it was called. It was one of my you know million real estate books that I've read. Uh, but the guy did that strategy. I think they bought like 20 or 30 duplexes all in one area. And then their plan was to sell each one off to owner occupants because then you can sell them. You know, If you're financing a two or three or four unit property, it finances mm-hmm. just like a single family. So you yeah, can buy yeah. with the commercial and then eventually sell them all off. I mean, there's some financing yeah. issues. That I think that's really, really smart. I mean, it's just yeah. the whole wholesale concept, right? Buy wholesale, sell retail. It's yeah. that. That same thing. I love it. Well, I guess the question is, you know, what 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 is what are the duplexes worth on their own? You know, are they worth what you paid, or are they worth a little bit more? Can you can you sell them at retail for for more than you paid? I, I think yes, you could, uh, because I think I probably paid lower than what you could pay if you were to sell them individually. So definitely yes, uh, and I think that was one of the reasons why I took the approach again. I think I'm going back. I was more worried about the exit strategy than. The buying in because I was I want to make sure that going out I have a way out. So, you know, yeah. So that was one of the reason. You know, if you want to do a condo conversion or you want to do something like that, you could, because on that street itself there are a lot of family owners, people who are staying on, you know, like individual the duplex being as an individual single family home too. Very so cool. they have those combinations, yeah. Well, and, that, and that's smart, right? Like you said, you bought with the exit strategy in mind. And I yeah. think that's something a lesson that a lot of real estate investors could learn is, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, buy with the end in mind. Uh, and yeah. then you don't have to necessarily know exactly what you're going to do, but it's a good idea to have those exit strategies. Yeah, I think it's, all, out. Yeah. it's always good to have two or three options available to you. Uh, yeah. you, don't, you don't know what's going to be there five, 10 years from now. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this then. Do you think, like knowing that you started with both a you know 20 unit and a condo, I mean, you kind of had two separate experiences starting here. What do you recommend for people listening to this show right now and getting started with that? I mean, do you think that was a good idea to start with the 20? Was that a huge learning curve for you or was it pretty manageable that people could figure that out? Uh, I think it depends on individual, where you're coming from, what your background is. Uh, I don't think it was that big of a jump uh, for me as such. Uh, the reason, and again, it it could be the fact that I kind of lived for two years, you know, as I said, assuming that I had something, so I was living with that, and 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 I, and I was, I think I was very clear that I don't want to manage these. I wanted something which would be managed by somebody else because I'm not good at it at all. I mean, I'm not good at any of these handy, you know doing these things i'm pretty I'm, I'm really i really get frustrated even if i have to do small thing in my home so yep. so i'm not good at it at all you're not so a handyman <laughs> i'm not at all <laughs> well, so i just wanted something you know which would sustain the cost that would come for 
the management. Yeah, I think I think it makes exactly perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's I think that's one of the reasons a lot of people end up trying to get into multifamily is because of those efficiencies you get. You know, you got one maintenance person or one maintenance crew that can handle things. You got one roof, you got one driveway, parking lot. Uh, yeah. You know, those are kind of the benefits of the multifamily and the. The management is great because generally speaking, like property management is built into the cost of a multifamily property. Yeah. Where a yeah. single family, it's usually not because you're competing with homeowners, if that makes sense. So right. love that. Well, while, we, uh, while we're on the topic of multi- property management, maybe we can touch on that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, you said you use property management. What's that? I mean, what's that been like? So, I mean, I mean, it, it's. I mean, uh, there have uh, I've been through you know issues as I've been hearing on the podcast. People have been, and I've been reading through all these things. So, so it's been kind of good and bad. There've been both sides to it. Uh, my the way I did the initially when I was looking for a property manager, I, my idea was. Uh, uh, let me just talk about a little bit before in terms of how I, how I set up the whole thing. Yeah, please. So my idea was that I, my intent is that I should have somewhere around two hundred fifty to three hundred units in, in, in by five years. So that's the plan. So to do that, nice. what I was planning to do is I I have gotten access to Buildium now, where I have my property being managed in Buildium by the property manager. So I was looking for property manager that would manage it in my sales system. So Buildium is what I'm paying for, and I have all my properties listed in Buildium and managed there by the property manager. So I don't want to go into a property manager system. I want it to be in my own system where I have the control. I can consolidate the reports. I can see how I want it. Uh, that was the idea. So at any point of time, if I buy other units, you know, then I can add it to it, and then I can give it to different property managers. And being in IT, you know, I've seen, uh, we have worked with vendors. So typical our, our strategy is always to have three vendors that you're working with for anything. And that was my plan that if I, when I get into multiple properties, I'll have three property managers who will manage the whole portfolio. So I like that strategy. That way, you know, I have always a backup plan in case if it doesn't work out with one property manager, then I can go to the other one. How do you or, work with three property managers? I'm just, I'm just curious. It doesn't, uh, are they all managing different properties at any given yes, time? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so once you have this like 20 unit managed by one, and then once I buy another one, this would be managed by the second party and then like that. So I could give them, you know, different properties. And that way I have always have some options in case if things doesn't go well. And then the, the other thing is I know how the others are operating and I can kind of compare them too. So yeah. that gives me an option of knowing and checking that, you know, who is doing a better job than compared to the other one. Do you let them know that you've got the other ones managed by somebody yeah, else? I, I, I mean, so when I was talking to them, I told them, this is my strategy. I love this that. This is what I'm looking for. What do so they say? I, yeah. So, I mean, some liked, some didn't like it, but I think the <laughs> idea was, <laughs> I said, you know, I'm, I'm open to, if you are new to this, I mean, in the sense, if you have managed, but you have done something on a smaller scale, the advantage of being with me would be that I can give you, you know, this property 20, 60, 30, 80 units at some point of time. So if you're willing to work with me, yeah, I'm willing to take a chance with you and then we can grow together. I love that. So I, yeah, yeah, so I think that was the idea, and that's how I found the property manager. So I did narrow down to three, and then I just picked one. Uh, I I like him the way he's managing it. I mean, I mean, there's, but there, I think what happens is I think he has grown big as well, and in, in his need of acquiring and growing big, I think the focus shifted, and I think that's where my property suffered a little bit. Yep. and that's what I didn't like. Uh, but again, I I think I I don't want to. You know, 
spoil, you know, just sever the relationship at this point of time because I've already paid for it. I want to make sure if we can uh, improve that uh, and uh, and still continue using it. So I'm watching it now. So it depends if it doesn't work out. Uh, I might have to look for somebody else now. <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah. I, I like how you phrased. You, you know, I'm taking a chance with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, I think that's that's pretty telling. Just that, you know, that that's how it works. I mean, you know, as an investor, you, it, it's a two way street, right? I mean, yeah. the, the, a lot of people, you know, property managers. It's your property manager. <laughs> <laughs> So a, a lot of property managers will interview you and a lot of people forget that they have to interview the property manager. And, and at the end of the day, you, you know, you need to make sure that you're comfortable with this person. Don't just hire the first property manager because, you know, they're available and you are taking a chance on them. And if they don't do a good job, you need to get rid of them and move on and find the next one. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. You want to hear an update on my story, Josh? And, no. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember, like two months ago we talked about on the podcast, but it's only been like a month in, re- in recording time. But like in reality, two months ago we talked about I hired a property manager. Anyway, it's been uh, it's been rough. It's been rough. There definitely is some uh, lower level service. I think I mentioned that before, but I've not yeah. gotten rid of her yet because of the same reason you just said. Like I'm sti- I'm watching very closely, and I'm yeah. trying to like encourage better behavior and better work. Is it working? I think so. So the tenant's gone that we were like, the reason we gave it over to her is because it was just a difficult tenant that causes us stress. That tenant is gone. It's taking twice as long to fix the place up and get it re-rented. Well, to get it fixed up and turned over as it would for me. You know, I'm like, you know, that he gives notice and he's going to be out on Thursday. I'd have a crew in there on Friday. For them, it's like, well, we'll get the crew in there the next end of next week sometime when it's on the list. I mean, I understand. Yeah, I understand. Like they have a lot of properties, whatever, but like, no, that's it, not something to understand, man. That's, well, I that's, mean, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's like, they, it's a, there's a sense of urgency in this business. Obviously, like, they yes. might have 20 of those at one time, and I'm, you know, that's their problem. Oh, sure. But I can't I imagine. They're them. in the business of serving you, and their job should be to get it done immediately. Because every day that you sit with an empty property is a day you sit with an empty property. It's money out of your pocket, not out of theirs. You forget I live in Podunk, Washington, though. You know where the contractors are out smoking for like six days straight, and then they'll come to work for a little while. So yeah, well, you, you know, know we got to deal with that. But you know, we're, I, I, we're watching. I, yeah, I think you're right because I feel this. I mean, I see the same kind of behavior here too, as well. I mean, I don't see the urgency yeah. in getting things rented out or getting certain things done. I, yeah. I think I think that's more of probably an owner thing, not a property manager yeah. thing. I, I firmly agree. Nobody will ever take as good a care of your property as you will. That said, yeah, here's yeah. one benefit I have noticed. We don't have a sign in the front yard yet for the house yet because the mm-hmm. outside doesn't look good enough, right? So, however, she's already got two applicants for the house. Now, that is something that I couldn't pull off because I don't have this massive marketing machine of for rent signs all over town that people call about other properties and she can funnel them. So, yeah. we may actually get this thing rented out faster than I would have. And I, I didn't expect that. I never even thought about that. So, who knows? Maybe it'll right. work out. I'll tell Makes you next sense. week. So, I think that's the other thing. <laughs> I just want to add to what you just said is from a tenant placement perspective. So, I mean, as I said, you know, I'm kind of watching them now. So what I've done is I've started opening up my other avenues as well. So I have brought in another tenant placement company who is helping me to market the the units that I have empty. So I have two or three people now working for them. And I tell them up front that I have this person marketing it and then you are also marketing it. Whosoever gets it first, they get it. I mean, you know, to me, what matters is that it, it needs to get rented out quickly and yeah. I'm willing to work with you all. But at the same time, uh, 
So I think that a little bit of uh, that helps too. So if you have some kind of a competition in place or, you know, I, th- I think that helps. So now at least I'm seeing more happening or more traction from their side. Both of them are trying now. That's so. fascinating. Like an yeah. Uberification of, yeah. of uh, <laughs> I don't know. the rental process. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, gamifying the entire thing. So. Yeah, compete to who can fill the unit and whoever comp- fills the unit gets to manage the property. I, uh, that's yeah. That's really interesting. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I like that. And 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 it's working out okay. Yeah, it's working out okay. We'll see. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. That's well, great. cool. Well, is that property in Chicago as well, or is the no. twenty unit local? The twenty unit is in St. Louis. Okay. So yeah. Why did you end up buying then local for that one? Did you look elsewhere? Or did you just decide that there are better deals where you were at? No, I, I think for multifamily, I'm not at a point where I could buy a bigger property somewhere remote. I think I want to buy and manage it locally something which i can access anytime i need to sure and and even when i bought this i bought it into a location i was very particular about a location where i'm buying it i wanted to buy in a location where i could manage it on my own as well so if i have to i can uh, i don't need a property manager so i mean i was i was not looking for uh, you know uh, rundown property a property in a maybe a d-class area where i would not be comfortable managing it so i bought it in an area where i can manage it and then, uh, so yeah, makes sense. Makes makes, sense. makes perfect sense. I like I like the ability to drive by my property, um, even yeah. if I'm not managing directly. I love being able to just drive by, check out my property manager, what they're doing, uh, maybe micromanage a little bit. <laughs> maybe that's a yeah. bad thing, but like <laughs> you know, I, until I have that trust built up, I have a hard time. And and again, like had I not been in this area hiring this property manager, I like. Again, I talked about this, I think, before, but maybe I didn't. But I mean, this was a serious situation. I mean, this is what actually happened. We called like a week after the tenant was supposed to be out. And we said, Mm -hmm. we're just wondering what the status is on getting that tenant, you know, like make sure they're out. And she goes, oh, I have no idea. And like, Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, come on. Like, it's not my job to have to do that. But again, I'm, I'm sticking with it a little bit longer. We'll see. Because if, if it's not her, it's me and, you know, whatever. So we'll, we'll see. Um, <laughs> all right, mo- moving on. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day. 
with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Calling all property owners and operators. Are you managing a multifamily property and looking to elevate your residents' living experience? Introducing Quantum Fiber Internet, your go-to choice for speedy internet your residents will love. The process is as seamless as Quantum Fiber service. Starting at just $50 a month, your residents can enjoy fast, reliable internet that will make them love where they live even more. Connect with your local fiber representative today. Learn more at q.com slash go big. I wonder how they got that domain. That's q.com slash go big. Limited availability. Service and rate in select locations only. Taxes and fees apply. 360 Wi-Fi and other equipment lease charges, taxes, and fees are excluded from price for life offer and may be increased. Uh, look, we talked about financing. What, what else did you do after that? I mean, you got some more properties after that, correct? Yeah, so I did. I, as I said, I bought another condo, which was through an auction process. Uh, and then that's what I kind of furnished it. And then that's, that's my vacation rental now. Uh, then recently I bought another property over the auction uh, and I'm going through the rehab process now. So I just started on a rehab on that. Um, so I'm going to, I'm thinking of flipping it and, uh, and then the idea being, I want to kind of go through different aspects of the real estate, uh, transactions and see how it is. And then just pick certain things that I would continue doing for long. Uh, and the other other advantage of doing a flip is, you know, if, if I'm able to sell it at a decent price, but that, that gives me enough and enough uh, ammunition to go buy in a bigger unit, you know, so. Makes sense. So Makes I think sense. that's the idea. So I'm kind of using the flip process to funnel or push my multifamily agenda in a way. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I like it. So, so in the notes, we've, we've got something t- talking about uh, some kind of a story where neighbors are complaining on some unusual activity and you handled yeah. it and very cleverly. <laughs> I, I'd love to hear that story. So I think this was in a multifamily unit. I think, it, And uh, what happened is uh, the unit is rented out. To, I think it was rented out to an old lady. And then uh, the, suddenly they started seeing a lot of uh, expensive cars coming in in that area and uh, so that the as i said the street where this is there are some owners as well so they are the ones who reached out to the some of the other renters and then uh, probably nothing happened over a day or two and i think i was traveling to chicago at that time and then somebody called me directly somehow they got my number and they called me and they said you know this is what is happening it looks like there might be some drugs or something going on and uh, so I was kind of nervous. <laughs> that was the first time I was <laughs> yeah. hearing all that. I said, sure, okay, sure. this is strange. Uh, so I called the property manager and, and uh, so we decided that, you know, we will, so next day we were there. So I was there, the property manager was over there. We were there. We kind of made sure that people saw that we were there and made sure that we contacted the, 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 the neighbor that complained, made sure that we are there, we will take care of it. Uh, and we thanked him, you know, kind of just reaching out to me. I mean, that was really nice of him. And then we went in and we spoke to the lady. It seems her son was there. He had just come out of jail or something. 
Uh, so, so things were there. So we kind of gave him a notice and made sure that he was out within. Uh, so, so the property manager took care of it the way it was supposed to be. Nice. Yeah, and, so. and that's, I mean, that, that just shows like good management is like, you can't mm-hmm. always stop problems. Like they, you will get drugs in your unit. You will yeah. get problems. You will get people that aren't supposed to be there, but good managers take care of them like effectively and efficiently quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. And you guys prove that. So well done. Well, And, and, you know, it also proves that um, the importance of, of, Making sure you know your neighbors, right? So, right. Yeah. so yeah. you know, anytime you buy a property, obviously before you even buy it, you, you should get to know the neighbors, I think. I believe in that firmly. Mm-hmm. And then once you've bought it, I mean, you really want to make sure, you know, listen, we've got your back. You know, yeah. hopefully you'll, yeah. you'll have ours. You watch out for us. Let us know if things are happening. And, and not just the people next to you, the people down the block, the people across mm-hmm. the street. And, and you've got a, an army of eyeballs watching your place. Yeah. yeah. And I think I did something similar based on what I heard on one of the podcasts is that somebody, they reached out to the neighbor and they gave them their card and all yep. that in case, you know, and I, I did the same. So I bought another property through an IRA and, uh, and that's, this is a single family home. And, uh, so I did the same and I heard that podcast and liked that idea. So I just went and gave them the card and said, this is it in case if you see anything, because I was going through a rehab process in that and, just wanted to make sure, you know, if somebody sees anything, they could at least reach out to me. So yeah. that yeah. was a good tip, which I made use of. Yeah. That's great. Uh, you, yeah. you mentioned that real quick with the inside of your IRA. Can we talk about that real quick? What do you mean for those people who don't get that? What do you mean by you bought a property inside of an IRA? So, so this is, I had some money in IRA, which I had invested in mutual funds and I wasn't seeing any results there. So I decided to take that off. And so so I bought a single family home and I bought this through a, a network, local network. So I bought it through a wholesaler. I think this was a okay. probate or something that he got. Uh, and so I bought it at a certain price and uh, then I flipped it. I kind of not flipped it. I rehabbed it. And then, uh, so this is going to go out rent now in this first week of March. So what's the benefit of, of buying something inside of an IRA, using, like, using your IRA funds for that? And it was in, I'm guessing it was in a self-directed IRA, correct? So this is a self-directed IRA. So, okay, okay. yeah. So, so I mean, I, I like the cons. I think, as I said, I think I'm big on real estate uh, and, and I've lost money in stocks. So I'm not a big fan of stocks. <laughs> Me neither. So I, I just, uh, I think I want to be in something which is more tangible, which I feel real estate is in a way, you know, you, you see what it is and especially being local. So, you know, the more you could see about it, the more you can feel and touch it, the good it is. I mean, to me. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the only reason I think is, uh, again, as I'm, I'm not looking for anything to support me now. It's, it's all for what I could do for my, you know, future retirement and the kind of lifestyle I want uh, going forward. Yeah. So, yeah. I love Makes it. Sense. Cool, cool. You want to talk about the agent thing, didn't you, Brandon? Yeah, the question I have is why... So why did you become a real estate agent? I, I heard before the show, you mentioned that you just got your real estate license recently. Uh-huh. Why is that? Yeah. So I think my going through this experience as an investor, uh, I found there was a lot of lacking uh, when it comes to getting the transaction through the agents and it could be just my experience. But I definitely felt that the way things are going, uh, I think real estate agents as such have not changed especially from a technology perspective, if you look at it, they're not using the technology the way you could use now. Yep. And I think that was one of the reasons. I think that a lot of things were still being done the old-fashioned way, which uh, I, 
and again coming from an IT background and coming for you know uh, from a different perspective altogether I was looking for something which could be done quickly uh, but efficiently um, and so I think that was one of the reasons I felt this could be an opportunity where I could help other investors as well that was one the second was that I thought this was a good way to build your network because the intent is at some point of time I want to buy bigger apartment complexes yeah. I want to buy 200 300 units so I want something of my own and then I also want to do bigger transactions and I think that would be a good way to get into it at least from an exposure perspective Makes so sense. I think that Makes was sense. the reason why I went into the real estate okay that's great cool Cool. Yeah. I'm assuming then you're not like actually like buying and selling properties for other people or are you? I mean, you're still doing the IT thing full time, right? I'm doing the IT thing full time and then I am buying and selling. I'm not, I'm not doing any homes. I'm only working with investors. Okay. Okay. I so I am working with investors. I'm helping them with commercial as well as uh, multifamily. So okay. I'm doing both. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Let's, let's take this thing over to the. It's time for the fire round. All right, the fire round. These questions come straight to you from the Bigger Pockets forums, and I'm going to fire them at you. There you go. Is that better? More energetic? Nice. Yeah, All beautiful, right. beautiful. All right, number one, do you ever buy, and this one is, well, we kind of touched on this, but do you ever buy foreclosed properties before they actually go to auction, like in pre-foreclosure? We touched on it, but we didn't talk much about it. I would, if you know I mean, if I see something which is a good deal, yes, I would, yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. and I know you said you bought that one that was uh, like the the condo or something like that was a was an auction, right? So I bought a couple in auction, uh, yeah. and and then one which is a foreclosed property. Yeah, okay, yeah. perfect. That's great. That's great. All right, what are your thoughts on the rules of thumb that are often tossed around around bigger pockets, like the fifty percent rule, two percent rule? Any uh, feelings on those? I think those are good rules for just first set of evaluation or just to have a, you know, just, just to see if it makes sense or not. But I'm not totally driven by it also. I, I think I, I more so look for the location of the properties because based on that rule, I don't see the most of my property will qualify on that rule, but they are still working fine. Uh, I, I think it just depends on what makes sense. And I, I, it could, it, I would say this because I'm not looking for the immediate cash flow to live on, I think it makes sense for me to be okay. So it, I think it's a, just a good thumb rule, but I'm, I won't, uh, I, I won't just uh, rely completely on it. And if it, something else makes sense, I would still go ahead and, I mean, I've done that. So Great. makes sense. Right yeah. on, right on. Perfect. All right. Uh, have you ever had to do an eviction? Uh, if so, how'd that go? Yes. I think first year was good. I didn't have to do anything, but last year we did two evictions. And again, I've not been involved too much. I think I've just I've let the property manager handle it for me. But this is what I've learned. Uh, we did not go through the complete eviction process. I think the, the, the tenants left before once the process was started. Okay. Yep. So so we, we didn't have to get into, you know, get into the complete eviction process as such. But I did lose money on that. But yeah. 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 Makes okay. sense. All right. Last question. How do I find a good real estate agent who understands what I need as an investor? Uh, I think you just got to talk to people and then see what makes sense. And I would like an agent has invested himself. I, I think that's a big thing for me because having worked with the agents in, you know, in Chicago area and here, I, I think it, it, especially when you're coming from an investor's perspective, 
it, it makes a lot of difference if somebody has invested himself as an agent because they can understand and they can point you to the you know things uh, that would make sense from an investor perspective. I agree. Yeah. All right, right I on, agree. right on. And right. sorry to everybody listening for the, for the noise in the background. <laughs> <laughs> there it goes again. Somebody's angrily so, uh, uh, against the wall at, at Hamachi's office. Yeah, we're almost we're almost but out we're, of here. But we're you know sorry guys for, for, <laughs> for, the, for the for the noise. All right, moving on. Time for the world famous. Famous four. All right, these questions uh, we fire at everyone every single week. Uh, number one, what is your favorite real estate related book? Yeah, I would go with the masses, <laughs> which is real estate. The Rich Dad Poor Dad. I think that's one book which kind of changed the way I. I think I think it's 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 what changed my perspective. Okay. About how things should be, and uh, I I would say that's the one. Perfect. Right on. Love it. Good choice. Good choice. What about business book? What's your favorite business book? Well, for business books, I would say uh, it depends on where you are at that point of time. So, you know, because things are changing constantly. So you could not have just one book, which would be a favorite. I know at in the time when I was looking at growing my IT consulting, you know, work at that point, I used, I like that blue ocean strategy. Uh, this was about, you know, going into newer areas and how to differentiate yourself, you know. So I think that's one good book. You said uh, that blue, I like a lot. Blue, blue Ocean Strategy. Blue Ocean strategy. I've, yeah. I've heard of it. I never read it yeah. yet. But. So, so that's one. Okay. And then recently uh, through the podcast, I came across that 10X thing. And I, oh, I yeah. think that makes a lot sense for me now. So I would say those two would be the books, uh, my right favorite on. business cool. books as of now. Yeah. Great. Great. Cool. Great. And we'll link to that in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 118. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Hobbies. What do you do for fun? All right. So I like to travel quite a lot. So I've traveled. Uh, so trekking, uh, camping is another thing that I like with my family. Nice. I like to cook too. So cook with my kids. So nice. kind of a family thing. So yeah, those are That's the cool. things that I like to do. Yeah. That's great. Cool. Yeah. All right. My final question. What do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Uh, I think it's just getting started. I think that's the key thing. You know, the good thing about real estate is you could start at any level and you could, there's so many options in it. I think that's what I like about it. So I think you just need to, uh, as I said, just, there are always going to be self-doubts. There are always going to be people who would say things that it's going to work or not work. I think you just need to go and take your first step. I think that's the key thing. You just go and do it. And then they will always be learning. There are always things that, you know, you're going to make mistake. But I think it's it's just the fact that even if you do something wrong or mistake, you just go and do it again. I think yeah. just doing it is what is important. I love it. Right on. Take yeah. action. Love it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. All right, Hamachu, where can people find out more information about you? Do you have a website? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they can find me at uh, investwithhimanshu.com. Uh, that's one. Or, I mean, Bigger Pockets is another good place. Uh, I'm not there very often, but I am. <laughs> um, I would like Why to not? be there more often. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, cool. that's great. That's great. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on. We definitely appreciate you sharing a little bit about your journey. And, you know, we'll, we'll look forward to having people share any insight, any questions they have on the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 118. And uh, thanks for being a part of the show, Himanshu. Thank you, guys. Thank you both. Yeah, right. Thanks for having Take me. Care. Awesome. Thank yeah, you. Take care. Bye. All right, guys, big thanks to Himanshu for all the feedback and the stories and sharing uh, his his advice with us. Lots of interesting stuff. I know you were uh, definitely uh, into the whole multi-manager idea, aren't you? 
Yeah, it's a cool idea. Um, if only I had three property managers in my area I could trust, I might try that. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it's hard enough to find one. Yeah, yeah it's it's, three, it's, so it's a tough thing. So start there. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but no, cool show. I, I'm uh, I uh, look forward to seeing where he goes with his investing. He's a very smart guy, and he's doing this the right way. So absolutely. And you you took you dominated the show a little bit. I didn't really do a lot of talking. I you know. <laughs> Kind of cut me off a few times. You were kind of that's, like that's giving what me I do. weird signals, and I you, think know, you so. fell asleep for like an hour and a half there. I might I don't have. Know. I might have. No, <laughs> stop. No, great show. Great show. All right, guys. Well, listen. Thanks again for listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast, show one eighteen. Check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show one one eight. And uh, as always, we really appreciate you being a fan and you checking us out and listening and spreading the word. Please take some time to jump on our space, our social network, biggerpockets.com and get involved, connect with us, connect with other investors in your area. Uh, Join us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, G+. And otherwise, keep listening, keep learning and make things happen. So till next week, I am Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.